Hello and welcome to the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. You're joining, as ever, the Too Much Time on Our Hands team, the awesome foursome we're dialing in remotely, as ever, because we are still under lockdown. We are entering nearly the 12th week of lockdown. Um, the very fabric of reality feels like it is beginning to to tear apart at the moment, and none so much has been an indicator of the recent happenings um over in america so anyway we we wanted to put our spin on it and as we've been saying for a long time um we have a small voice but we still have a voice and we want to use it to discuss these things and so we will we will discuss this topic today um before we go any further i'll introduce the rest of the crew so we got up in up on my screen we got on the top right we got duncan hello duncan good evening afternoon tom right hello beneath that man we have dan Hi, Tom. How are you doing? <laughs> Who's Brady bunching it right now? <laughs> and to Dan's right and Duncan's right, so if you guys could both look over to your right, we've got Russ. <laughs> Hello, Russ. Hello. They're both just looking off the side randomly on my screen. <laughs> Absolutely. This is this is really cool, man. This is like being the puppet master. <laughs> you are all but marionettes. <laughs> um, and of course, I am Tom. Uh, I'm not very good at verbalising these things straight out, so I'm going to hand over to Dan, who will give you an insight into the kind of topic we're going to be discussing today. Well, I think we um, the original plan was to discuss 90s rom-coms, but feeling a bit tone-deaf at the moment, to be honest. it's There's a lot going on in the world, and we either want to keep quiet, which is entirely the wrong thing to do, as Russ stated in one of our chats earlier, or we want to actually sit and talk about it. But... We want to sit and talk about it in something that actually relates to something we do. So, as you said, Tom, we have a voice, um, and it's times like this where we need to actually make sure we're using it for the right thing. Absolutely. And and that's the point, isn't it, is that, you know, we have a freedom of speech, we have a right to protest, we have a right to say what's on our mind, we have a right to not be penalised. No matter what walk of life you come from, no matter what background you come from, you have a voice. Um, and recent recent occurrences and recent things that have happened have just gone to show that there are fantastic levelers that show that we are all but the same species mm. and COVID-19 has undoubtedly proven that which I guess for me puts a lot of what's happened into really really stark contrast mm. um, you know with everything going on that the things that have happened in America um that actually, even though we are all the same species, race still actually means something mm. to people. It's it boggles my mind. Absolutely boggles my mind. Yeah. Absolutely boggles my mind. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, honestly, like when you start, you know when you know what doctors always say: if you've got a scab, don't pick it. Mm. <laughs> don't let you do. And then you do, yeah. and then you wish you hadn't. And the thing is, like, once you start thinking about this, it's like when I say, like, the fabric of reality feels like it's being shredded apart in front of your eyes. Yeah, that, that is really what it feels like. Mm. Uh, but then, the you know, maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. You know, there's been there's been some awful things have happened, but out of it, hopefully, some very good things are going to happen. And that shredding the fabric of reality, you know, I mean, let's we should acknowledge in case anyone didn't know but this is for white mm. blokes sitting around talking yeah. about race and privilege and it's it's important that we acknowledge that we do not understand or pretend to understand what people of color have been going through for the last oh thousand or two years yeah uh and we're not we're not saying that we've got any answers 
or any real insight into this. But I think it's important that we talk about this and acknowledge the fact that, yeah, things are, hopefully, things are changing. Mm. And when we talk about things like, you know, the fabric of reality being ripped up, that reality is based on a mountain of privileged and entrenched mm. systems mm-hmm. that are that are a big part of causing all these these problems that people are getting so so visibly angry about at the moment well even coronavirus actually f- flagged up where there are inequalities because mm. the black and asian and, uh, minority eth- ethnic groups are all overly hit by um or you know their representation mm. in like cases or especially the the deaths data uh, mm. statistics um that they are overrepresented as in considering the percentage of a well the uk population and i think it's the same in it's the same in the us and probably the rest of uh, europe mm. uh, so like it, what what the protests um, that started in the US and then have spread globally, it's just a mirror. It, the coronavirus has just just highlighted that yes, it's mm. affected us all and it's a great leveler, but it also has highlighted where still these these little differences, these not little, but these differences still exist, and these differences are a matter of life and death, and we cannot just I, I don't know. Uh, not talk over them but mm. you know it, it, you can't just brush them aside here's um here's here's a tweet that, that i liked it's ashley johnson who who you might know from critical role or you'll know as the voice of ellie in uh, in last of us and i think she put it very well which is uh i'll just read the whole tweet out hey if you're getting offended for being called out you're not an ally we're going to get called out including me in Instead of being defensive, listen, and then let yourself be challenged to change by what you hear. Your ego is not more important than ending racism. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that just kind of nails it, really, for me, is that, that there are things that I don't entirely understand. There's things that I feel funny about talking about. But at the same time, I'd like to learn and I'd like to make sure that I am a better person when all this is over. So this is the thing that always confuses me the most, is that even as, a, even as an individual you look around at, at see for me i remember the first big struggle mm. being class divide mm. you know working class middle class upper middle class the endless delineations between you and other people um and that seemed to be an almost ridiculous notion mm. i mean some people were just are just richer than others some people are poorer because of circumstances and and that is the way of the world to to make it into castes to put barriers if you have this much money you are poor if you have this much money you are not that poor if you have this much money you are rich is one thing mm. but to identify fellow human beings by the color of their skin and that that somehow means that they are less worthy or more worthy um again is just another thing that that confused me as i was growing up Mm. i mean when i went to school i I was i was one one of many white young men Mm. in in my school and there were some people of color and other faiths and other religions 
uh, at the school, but it was predominantly white. It was only when I went into the working world that my eyes were truly open to the diversity of the country that I lived in. And that is is endemic of my lifestyle, of my life as it was up until that point. And suddenly mm. I found myself at 21, uh, sort of, you know, 18 to 21, maybe 25 years old. University gave me a, a small taste of more diversity. But actually, ironically, where I went to university at Aberystwyth, it wasn't necessarily more people of colors or, mm. or more people of ethnic diversity. It was actually just more Europeans. Hmm. So it was. I was mixing with white Swedish people, with white, um, white Germans, white French people. You know, it was, it was, it was very strange. It was like I say, it was, it was in work, coming into the working world that I started to mix with more people of color, and hmm. finding that actually, you know, there was literally nothing that divided us because we all had the same family issues. We've all got the same family problems. We've all got the same money worries we've all got the same thing and like i say i just do not understand on a daily basis why there are any lines between us mm. anymore it's very strange sorry i mean it, I, I find this whole topic to be a difficult one to talk about mm. because i just don't feel like i have seen enough of the world to have a proper opinion about it i mean that's good so, yeah it's good that you've got that attitude mm. rather than just go and doing what a lot of people probably do which is just go well i know i'm not racist mm. So that's fine. So I'm, I'm doing enough, you know. It's, it's, you know, congratulations on not being a racist. Mm. But you're not doing anything. You're not helping. Mm. Just by, you know, it's like I, I, I walked down the road today and I punched no people. <laughs> you know, you're saying you weren't actively an asshole to someone. Yeah. But you can't really pat yourself on the back for that too much. I don't know. I do think sometimes Dan uh, does deserve a pat on the back for not killing a large number of customers, some uh, <laughs> the general public. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, anyone who's worked in retail will have experienced that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the whole. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's made me think quite a lot. So my. Um, I don't know what she makes her in terms of relative to me, but my dad's cousin, mm. uh, Frankie, uh, her husband, Nathan, is a black American. Mm -hmm. And um, I've, until pretty recently, I never really thought of what his experience of uh, marrying, well, I suppose she's like my cousin as well, but mm. I always called her aunt, marrying to a, like a white English family. And I don't even know what my cousin Robert's experience has been because they moved over to the US and haven't really seen them. But it's it's kind of brought home going, well, hang on, what was his experience of marrying into quite a English family? And this is, you know, um, they well, actually, my granddad and my uh, granduncle grew up in London. Uh, but still, you know, it's that that older our grandparents generation are sometimes we, we joke about the the whole racist grand kind of thing as if it's forgivable but it's not necessarily mm. uh forgivable and you think okay what's there what happened there and then you think well hang on is it why is it still happening we're 21st century this we're talking about something from 40 uh, years ago and yet it still seems we're just just repeating it i mean in it Scotland is a bit weird because most of the time on the west coast of Scotland, it is 
you know you're looking at caucasian and but the main divides are where your accent's from mm. so though i you know there there is anti-english sentiment sometimes in scotland in certain pockets it's really small mm. um but I mean, it's not comparable but it, it's still defining people on different characteristics up in scotland the, the anti-english that, sentiment in scotland is very much almost on a, a joke level anyway it, it's it's tiny yeah um yeah it's, but, it's more, that's more of a it's 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 a nationality based yeah. prejudice rather than a real yeah, race yeah. based thing. But I mean, it, it's, but it's, it's, it's slightly ridiculous when you think about any area. The UK is such a tiny little place with such a, a a mobile population that's been moving around and interbreeding for thousands of years. Hmm. You know, we're all basically the same. We just use different words for bread roll. But, yeah. the, but, but, the, but the fact is, though, that a lot of the prejudices the Scottish and Welsh and Irish will feel towards the um, English, if you like, mm. um, is the is colonialism. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is, is <laughs> very well-founded prejudices. Uh, very well-founded. And, you know, the fact is that, you, you know, we, we, we've seen this week that Winston Churchill's statue uh, was um, was defaced mm. with someone adding is a racist to, mm. or was a racist sorry under the churchill's name um and the justification actually when you boil it down to purely racial feelings and racial antipathy mm. is is simply well i mean churchill by today's standards was a racist i mean he you know if that's if you're classing someone as someone who dislikes someone because of their color or beliefs you know, Churchill was rapidly anti-communist. Mm. You know, he was he he hated the 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 Nazis. You know, tarred the tarred the entire structure as filled with you know evil evil genocidal people, whether they were complicit with what was going on or not. Mm. Um, you know, and you know, even the royal family, even you know, um, Prince Charles himself, very very recently made comments that he was um, you know over the last few years mm. where he referred to one of his friends of colour as Sooty. Mm. Um, and you think to yourself, is this, I mean, is this, is this what this is about? You know, um, because Churchill was sat at the top of a political structure that at the time was the British Empire, which mm. owned a quarter of the Earth's surface and actually had done that through subjugation of other people. Mm just look at india and how india was run you know by very cruel uh english <laughs> english masters and um what were they called um maharajas the maharajas system yeah. um, over there you know how much of that stuff did we learn about at school yeah exactly yeah no, well, exactly. and how much came from, how we got it what we did mm. Exactly, you know, and how much of that is evoked Britain's role days? in the slave trade, which was colossal. Mm. It was. Colossal. Looking at that statue of the 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 Colston. statue in, of Colson in in Bristol, you know that why is there a statue to someone like that? And it's not the only one. They are mm. all over this country, and these people are revered as part of the system that our society is based on which is why is it? it's not enough just to go i'm not actively being a racist mm. you have to acknowledge that we live in a society that is built over hundreds and hundreds of years 
out of some terrible exploitations and subjugations of entire cultures the thing with the the thing with the statues as well is that you see a statue you don't know anything about them you automatically assume they've done something good yeah because it's a statue they 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 that person has done enough to get a statue in their name i i think actually oliver cromwell has a statue and he (laughs) abolished the monarchy killed thousands of people made himself president for life and he effectively made Christmas. himself yeah. and effectively made himself the dictator mm. of the British Isles and the Empire as it was back then. I mean the fact is that actually you again, if you start to pick at a scab, it starts to go it starts to get infected. And actually if you start picking away at the so called crusade against Nazism, mm. the simple fact of the matter is that while you may look at that as some heroic crusade against tyranny, mm. the irony is that at the time, as I say, the British empire spanned a quarter of the earth's surface Mm. had subjugated nations and was growing very fat off the profits of the trade that was a result of all of that and we were getting hoity-toity because the germans were doing it in mainland europe Mm. the seat of power in the world because the french had their empire the germans had their empire even norway and sweden had imperial areas across the world and well, the fact you, you had the you had the Dutch as well. So you not you got the Dutch. The Italians tried it for a wee bit, um, like in North Africa, and that sort of uh, collapsed. The Spanish, the Portuguese, um, the Dutch, very famously as well. Yeah, but like by by the 18th century, Britain had just surpassed everyone. Interesting thing about the what you don't all. Even when you hear people talking about the uh, abolition of slavery and going, oh, you know, we did that. The 1833 Act actually excludes modern day Sri Lanka and the activities of the East India Company. So they could still deal and keep slaves. But you don't hear about that. But that is that is the yeah, you, you pick out a scab and it's obvious the scab hasn't actually properly healed. Yeah. And if you have a statue maybe tear it tear it down but that, mm. at the same time that's kind of means that you're hiding away from i, I don't know maybe it's just because i quite like the you facing the horrors going mm. this person the reason why this statue is here is because they did like colston he founded the dolphin trust which is a really a, a, a charitable trust still going to this day he founded schools he did a lot for the people of bristol mm. But it was on the back of killing, like the majority taking. You know, he was the major slaves. He killed yeah. twenty thousand just transporting yeah. them. It was just ridiculous. Um, can and, I ask? Yeah. Can I ask a relatively direct question then? Do you think that in any way the weeks of lockdown and isolation that we've had? Do you think that in any way has served to exacerbate the issue? No. That it is pent up. Exacerbated. I think it's. I think everyone's been looking for some sort of a release. Mm. We thought it was going to be an epic night on the piss when they reopened mm. the pubs. It turned out to be something a bit more constructive yeah. than that, hopefully. Um, but I, I, you know, the the pandemic and this are kind of inseparable. It's, it's almost mm. impossible to say what one would be like without the other. Um, mm. You know the 
the pandemic had already, as we've talked about, the pandemic has already highlighted before any of this had happened. It had highlighted massive mm. race-based inequalities. You know, the, when it when it was emerging, even in just in the UK, that um, black and Asian and other minority ethnic doctors and nurses and frontline mm. staff were seemed to be more susceptible to this in some way. And it's turned out that it's nothing to do with genetics mm. or uh, you know and uh, uh, any sort of pre-existing condition it's just that the people who are more likely to be in a role that puts them at risk mm. more likely to be using public transport less likely to be able to work from home are people that fit into those categories and it's that is as we said before coming from the systems that have been constructed in our society that mm. we've been sort of comfortably living in without really thinking about too much I, I don't want to make people realize those those differences i i don't want to make this uh, just just us bashing the government for an hour but at the same <laughs> they that report came out uh on on the the same day that it was becoming mainstream news in this country and they decided they wanted to bury the report because they didn't they they thought it would upset people too much well, surely yeah, not, like, not yeah. the smartest of ideas. Also, it wasn't even yeah. really a report, was it? No. It was just it was just some statistics that yeah. confirmed what everybody knew already. Yeah. There was no analysis or recommendation made as, as a result of it. And it's things like um, like they've talked about, like oh yeah, if you do need to go into London, make sure you take your your car. Mm. The assumption being there that everyone's got access to a private car. Yeah, of course they don't. So the people that that advice benefits and who will go, oh, I won't take the tube, the tube, I will drive into the office, are the people who are in a privileged enough position to have a private car in London mm. and work in the type of place where they can drive to and park their car. That's not That's, many people. Mm. No. Or afford can the I, parking, <laughs> which is horrendous and scary in mm -hmm. London. Yeah, can I also say that I will from now on be calling the tube the tube. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take the tube, man. <laughs> Even like the congestion charge, you know, your typical investment banker is not going to blink at paying an extra 20 quid a day to take the car into London. Mm. That's a week's transport budget. Now, people. This, yeah. this, is, this is an area that I, that I have researched quite well, is the congestion charge, ULEs and clean air zones. Now, think about it this way. They are penalising older vehicles. Mm. Mm. Now, you know, that's from vehicles that were around 2014, 2015. So these are Euro 4, Euro 5 engines. That's used car market. Mm. The more likely, the more likely situation is that if you are in a lower paid job that you will buy, if you can, a used car. And it will be quite old when you do because a five-year-old car is maybe a couple of thousand pounds mm. if it's in good nick whereas the so nine-year-old car is 1700 or something so actually mm. there is an argument to make that the congestion charge ulez clean air zones are punishing people who can't afford to drive brand new vehicles with euro 6.1 or euro 6.2 temp engines which are of course new cars so the irony is then that, and these people are tradespeople. They mm. could be delivery drivers. They could be couriers. These are the, these are almost the forgotten industries that actually have the largest workforces. And if all these people banded together and rose up, this country would be brought to its knees. Yeah. 
Well, it reminds me of the way the way the government's been talking about the gig economy mm. of late, and like, oh, this is great, you know, flexible working for people. And there's always this undercurrent in whatever they said of, I hope nothing goes massively tits up that completely destroys this way of working. Yeah. And now it has. Well, do you know what? They're about they're about six years too late because Gary Vaynerchuk. If you guys know him on LinkedIn, he's a, a marketeer, a guy who basically he talks about working his way up to the top. But actually, he his parents owned a very successful wine company, which he inherited mm. and then obviously has gotten richer. It's remarkable richer. how many people work their way up to the top well, position yeah. one rung below the top. When I started <laughs> Renham Industries, I had only a dream and 10 million pounds. <laughs> um, you know, and and he always talk. he's been talking about the gig economy for you know, ever since then. So the government is now only just coming around to it because the fact is that their, their hand has been forced. Mm. Um, they have to talk about it like this. They have to talk about the new normal because actually I like the idea. As I say, I don't know enough about this. I've not been exposed to enough of, of a, the world that mm. I feel I should do to have a proper opinion about this. But um, what I do see is that the new normal is going to mean so much more than just video calls, not going into the office, furloughing, not touching people. Mm. The new normal, I think, is exactly like we've been saying. It's the fabric of reality of what was being ripped apart because actually we now have to face some really fucking uncomfortable truths. Mm. You know, and there's that subtle part of me, there's that little part of me nagging me, kind of going, why haven't you tried to know more about this up to this point mm. you know why um, haven't you tried to endeavor to actually do something because you know you think i think about situations i've been in and i think was you know was the other guy more firmly dealt with because he was of color you know i was i was involved in a traffic accident mm. with with a man of color and i think to myself you know was that my fault or did the police on the scene just assume it was his or did I have some prejudice? It was like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, it was it was obviously him, you know, like it yeah. just like I say, it, it starts you thinking about everything you've you've done to this point in your life and actually wondering whether or not you've been yep. dealt a better hand. So, so this, it's good to make you mm. consider those things and be aware of your of your privilege. I mean, there was that phrase, check your privilege mm. was chucked around quite a while ago. Which I never really like, because that's quite a sort of, it's a shut you down kind of a thing. Mm. And I think a lot of the a lot of the discussion that's emerged over the last couple of weeks has been really constructive. And it's been people saying, you know, yeah, that's great. But do you think maybe you could also do a little bit more? So mm. like things like, you know, people posting Black Lives Matter on, on Instagram. It's, it's, you know, great. Have you considered reading, reading these books, listening mm. to these podcasts, just following these people to bring some diversity into your into your feed? And if people do that and listen and respond to it, it'll be really, really positive for everybody. So I didn't do it primarily because, mm. like I said, I don't I just don't I, I think it would look it would look and is completely wrong of me to 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 suddenly do that it would be the first time i would ever have done something that's the point like that that was racially motivated yeah but the well, point is that but there's nothing like wrong with there's nothing like wrong with not doing that either no no i know absolutely and that's that that is the point as well that i don't feel that i did anything wrong by not doing it the fact is that 
it's it's really difficult and and you know it's it, the, the problem is i feel now worried about saying what i do i work hmm. with a with a team of people i work with lots of people from different backgrounds from different um ethnic backgrounds as well from different financial backgrounds um i have people working for me multicultural multi-religion hmm. one of my one of my direct reports is a highly religious individual and i've tried to kind of make an effort to kind of understand his faith a lot more i used to work with a lot of um uh people who followed various uh different types of the islamic faith to try and learn a little bit more about that as well and actually to try and identify the differences mm. between the different forms of islam that exist and you know it just becomes so i got so obsessed with trying to find out about all the different things so that i could at least try and make myself feel like i was a bit more cosmopolitan that eventually i realized it didn't matter why does that matter? Why, why does it matter? Because at the end of the day, they are just a person. They're doing what they feel right. Do you know, I used to work with a, with a, a young uh, lady called uh, Sim, Sema, and she, um, she eventually, um, after about two years, so she, she followed the Islamic faith. Uh, mm. I'm not sure what, um, what denomination. Um, and she, um, she one day out of the blue sent me a text saying, I can't be friends with you anymore mm. because I have found a husband and I'm getting married, and my religion prohibits me from having male friends anymore. And, I mean, initially I was just like, this is fucking ridiculous, I can't believe that the Islamic faith does this, that mm. makes people stop being friends in this modern world, it's such a backwards way of looking at the world. But actually, after a while, it's just suddenly sank into me that it's like, I will never fathom or understand the depth of someone's faith, and actually far be it from me to question it. Um, you know, it's a, it was a valuable lesson for me, really, because, you know, I, admittedly, there's that sadness that I lost a friend, but there was also the kind of joy that you've got s someone moving on with their life, getting married, doing the things they want to do, following their religion in their way. Mm. Um, and it, it would, it felt very, if I felt very bad <laughs> about my initial reaction, which actually felt very selfish, very privileged, very stereotypical for someone who looks and talks like i do i think the difference here though tom is you're being asked to to look at it you're being asked to look at what people are going through you're being asked to look at what people have gone through and 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 ask how you'd feel about it if you were in that situation and then see what you can do to make their lives better mm. and there's you know there mm. are there are all sorts of things you can do you yeah. don't you don't have to go out and single-handedly save the world and i think some people do feel that there's a bit they feel worried that you know they're not going to do the right thing or they're not going to do enough or they're going to do something that some people like and upsets other people i think it doesn't matter as long as you do something yeah and that could be read a book read some articles share some some links make a donation go to a rally do talk to people yeah, I mean okay. that is kind of like the 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 easiest thing to do is just yeah. like except like I I understand where you're coming from, Tom. Um, in the terms of going, I don't know, that just seems ridiculous in terms of a faith. But then you sort of have to respect. Okay, well, you know, it's what they believe. It's it's a very difficult uh, fine line. Um, one, so what? Just before COVID uh, hit, or just as it was, 
I finished reading a really good book called Invisible Women. Mm. And that, Emma's currently reading it, that is probably one of, I would say, an essential read because it's really paramount for what we're finding out now because Mm. it covers everything and it doesn't just it goes well women and then goes well the most invisible women you'll find are actually black women Mm. they are so not thought about in government policy and what what we're seeing you're talking it links everything we've just been talking about like public transport the idea of oh you know take public transport well that's always going to be women and predominantly it's going to be a lot of black women taking Mm. public transport they're going to be exposed the fact that transport has also been cut it's usually designed the thing is urban planning um (laughs) uh transport uh routes and links even car design everything is actually usually done by men Mm. The, the problem is men it's generally white men because they are... The, the problem is pretty much always white men. White men. They mm. are the worst. We are the... In some ways, we have to accept we're kind of part of the problem because we are the use as the proto... You know, not the prototype, but the kind of... Um, yeah. Yeah, stereotype. That, the typecast. That reminds mm. me of something that's a really... I don't even know if this is true or not, but I want it to be true because it's such a great demonstration of how the mm. systems that have been built by predominantly white men serve to uh, underpin them and undermine others. And it's a really stupid thing. But the classic joke of women in the office always complaining about being too cold. The reason for that is because the air conditioning is le- level is set to make a middle-aged white man wearing a suit feel comfortable. Mm. Which means it's actually quite cold for anyone who's not wearing a wool jacket and isn't, (laughs) you know, a slightly overweight six foot tall man who will have a metabolic rate that means that they are warmer, warmer than the most people. This is why I always wear sheer vests in the office. (laughs) (laughs) And when I I go dancing at the Solar Sailor. I think think the one thing that's related to what we do, the one thing that stood out um regarding to the podcast that is is um john boyega the way mm, that he yeah. has the way that he he self-proclaims that he's risking his career doing this to be yeah and that's not an understatement he, no. he really is but then it's, it's when you think yeah oh god he is risking his career and then you stop and thinking but why is he risking his career but tom cruise can stand on a couch preaching about scientology and that's fine, and he'll get every job role under the sun. And yet, John it's ironic, Bieger... isn't it? It's, I mean, it, what what is it? I mean, it's a it's a terrible mismatch because yeah. you know. I'm sorry for interjecting, but it's it's just that Tom Cruise will be seen as mildly eccentric, yeah. whereas John Boyega will be seen as a dangerous influence. Yeah. And mm. how come John Travolta still got uh, any jobs after what was it? Battlefield Earth mm. was based on an L. Ron Hubbard book. Yeah, it is, yeah. And that's like that is a whole Scientology film, basically, and it's a crap film. It, yeah, but, but the, <laughs> Not the, the, listening the fact but... that we are all kind of just going, "Oh yeah, John Boyega is kind of risking his career doing this, isn't it?" It's, it's ridiculous. That's nuts. That, how is mm. that? How is that? A th- Why is that a thing? That's ridiculous. And then, like for me and Duncan, who follow the NFL, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, he that was ridiculous. He gave up well. his career because he decided that. He was a bit sick of black people being killed by policemen. Yeah. Um, and the he, whole, like yeah. The, I know the NFL, 
I mean, that video from Goodell, it's quite, you know, it's it's stunning in mm. what it says. Bit too late. It would have had a bit more weight behind yeah. it if you hadn't waited for the last possible second mm. to be able to do that. And it is clear that he was basically cornered into that. And um, like MLB is looking mm. at rescinding the punishments that were given out to yeah. players that made demonstrations of support. How... How can you possibly be looking at this and going, lads, do we think we're on the right side of history or the wrong side here? So and that, um, have any uncertainty about my, that? My thoughts on this with the Colin Kaepernick thing are, for starters, he was worried that he would offend people. That was one of the things. So, so he spoke to uh, Nate Boyer, Green Beret, uh, and also played for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and they, they discussed how he could do it respectfully and Nate Boyer says well kneeling is a big part of showing respect whilst showing that you're not doing what everyone else is doing so they agreed this someone who was annoyed that he was disrespecting the, the flag that this Green Bay egg agreed and stood with him whilst he kneeled for the anthem and then watched him get this just this this ton of shit and Nate Boyer would then became angry about the fact that they're giving him a ton of shit for what was essentially just him disagreeing with other people. Yeah. Even if he hated the flag and the national well, that, anthem, it that's doesn't exactly what that actually shows. matter. It was it was yeah. it was and is not yeah. anything to do with the flag. Exactly. It, it, no matter what he had done, the people that are that, that were and are harassing him for disrespecting mm. the flag, if it hadn't been that it'd have been something else. Yeah. It'd have been some unpatriotic hates america mm. bullshit thing there would there would have been some way of of framing it in in that regard to appeal well, to the people that, that find that offensive look at look at uh boris johnson we do mm, not no. hear him we do not yeah try not to we do not hear him talking about the words that are the crazy words that are coming out of donald trump's mouth we do not really hear him mentioning the protests until no, and that, yes. that when people say silence is compliance, yes. that is what we're talking about. Yeah. You, just by going, oh, everybody should respect each other. It was only when he you had an, he had an angle where it's he a could, tacit endorsement. Yeah, it was only when he had an angle where he could criticise them when a statue got defaced that he suddenly sparked into life all of a sudden. And yeah. And that's, that's, it's too easy to just turn that into, well, clearly that's mm. not the right way of doing these things, mm. and that is criminal damage. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that was not the right way. But that statue should not have been there for the last hundred years. Yeah. The, the, other, so, the other side of it is... You're I, just glossing over it. It's pretty hypocritical to say that, well, cancel the protest because there's a few bad protesters, when it's usually the same people saying that are saying, well, it's not all policemen, there's some good policemen out there. Yeah. It's, well, as, I mean, yeah. as a lot of people have said, a profession where yeah. you are entrusted with protecting so the lives protect. of the yeah. public and in many countries where you are given a gun mm. that you can point at somebody and end their life in the blink of an eye mm. should probably not have any bad apples in it. No. You know, if, there is... if, you're, if you're a doctor yeah. and you've killed a few patients and had quite a lot of complaints about you, you probably won't be a doctor for much longer. It should I be think harder the to get. Is, though, there is, mm. Sorry, there's, there's state. The, the, because the police forces usually serve the state, mm. um, you can look at almost any historical example 
from the extremes all the way down to you know current so so-called forward-thinking 21st century democracies mm. um where the rules and laws and beliefs of the state are passed down to the police forces that hold the people in check mm. america is for the first time more so than ever mm. under the sway of right-wing politics mm. where new credence is being given to a very hard line form of almost semi-fascism in mm. the shape of order and strength and they... making america great again these rallying cries mm. of the right wing extremist views i know okay. i know i'm gonna i know i'm gonna sound a bit weird on this but actually fascism in itself is apolitical mm. you can have left-wing fascism as much like the the Russian st- the USSR was a fascist state mm. because its principles were still the same, which was uh, shutting down opposition. It was still um, uh, on that kind of populism. Uh, there's a whole book about it. Like, sure, but that's no, no, not, no, that's no, not no, what no, people no, are talking about right no, no, now. But. No, 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 but it's no. it's. I'm just saying that it's on the extremes of either end that you get yeah. that shutting down and that kind of police Absolutely. state. Absolutely, but but to confuse what the Soviet Union was with with what, for instance, Nazi Germany was, yeah. is that there are big distinctions. Um, obviously, that, you know, if you if you think of political spectrum as a sphere, the far right and the far left are so close mm. in their terms of extremity that they're they're the way that they operate is almost exactly the same. Yeah, you know, Stalin and Hitler are almost kind of you know polar polar opposites Mm. and yet so very very similar in their belief but i mean you know the one unifying factor of far right and far left is an overwhelming belief and surge in patriotism Mm. or belief of the country that you are a part of which is why i think america is in the state it is now is that not only is donald trump a patriot he also happens to be a far right so patriot I, I don't believe he is a patriot. I think he's just got an ego the size of the White House. And I, I think, think he, I think he is a patriot. I no, mean, I, I think I, that works for him, for him, for people telling him he's great. I think that's what it is. America is the land of the free where mm. anyone can grow up to be president, where someone can build mm. their business empire. They can win it all. They can lose it all. Bankrupt and stuff. every no, business he's been in and get everyone sent to prison in, that he's worked Donald with. Donald Trump is a pure example of the awful side of the American dream Mm. that Hunter Thompson was writing about his entire career, the fear, the loathing, the making Mm. of scapegoats, blaming other people for your problems. But I I guarantee you that Donald Trump will find a scapegoat for every single one. Yeah. And that's that's why everyone he goes into Mm. business with ends up in prison. And the biggest scapegoat for his Mm. failure as a president is the media. Yeah. I think the biggest problem that America have, though, is the militarization of their police force anyway, which is something that was happening way before Donald Trump. I agree. So, like, they've given 12 months to train in how to use tanks, the police force are. Um, and then we wonder why the, they've got a um, punch first, ask questions later attitude. Everything they do involves SWAT teams because of that reason, because that's what they've been trained to do, because they've put all their money and effort and time into into learning how to solve problems with a gun, basically. A vast mm-hmm. majority of SWAT teams had actually started to be dissolved during mm-hmm. the um, Obama. Uh, Obama administration. Yeah, he, he, he put a cap on it. He, he, he refused did. to... He, he 
it was for, for four years, I think, well, two years, sorry, before Trump came in and then got rid of it again and realised how much money you could make that way. Absolutely. Well, and that, that military procurement scheme was, was cut back as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. That was, yeah. that was reversed. But it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important that we acknowledge this is not remotely just a USA problem. Oh, no. That's where it's not. particularly visible right mm. now. Um, but, you know, I mean, the UK does not, we are not in a position to, to crow about this at all. No. Um, no. But, yeah, that that aspect of the, the militarisation of the police, and it, go, it goes to the, the sort of the core method of policing, mm. In the UK, it's it's policing by consent. Mm. It's the understanding that if a policeman asks you to do something, you should do it. Yeah. Whereas in the US, it's it's much more based on policing by authority. You are given an instruction. You are told to do something, and everyone, to a greater or lesser degree, is frightened of the police. Clearly, mm. some people, to a much much higher degree. When you read about, you know, black families having to educate their kids about what to do if they're pulled over by the police, not in a just, oh, yeah, this is what you do. And it's probably not a good idea to say this kind of a way, but in a because you might die kind mm. of a way is terrifying. It's unbelievable. I mean, even in the UK, like so we had the McPherson uh, report inquiry. Uh, after the Stephen Lawrence mm. debacle, uh, and I don't know whether now that sort of being gets wielded out and and sort of what is trying to paper over cracks because there obviously still are because you know in in the last couple of weeks we've had Dominic Cummings busting breaking. Uh, lockdown rules, mm-hmm. and then you get on Twitter that video within. The, you know, shot more recently of a guy who's an ambulance worker sat, mm. I think, outside his block of flats, so- socially distancing with a friend yeah. who, in the end, gets cuffed by the police um, just because he didn't quite give all the answers that made her uh, happy. And he wasn't breaking any rules no. or anything, but he still ended up in cuffs because, oh, apparently there had been some intel about drugs in the area but he was just sitting with a friend with no indication having no aggravation but he gets done the only Mm. difference here is one guy is a middle-aged white guy who just happens to be um in well he's not even he's a civil servant technically a special advisor and the other guy is a as a black uh ambulance driver Mm. and just because he didn't have id how often do you always sit outside with a driving license in your pocket if you just sat with a, uh, a friend or a neighbour? Very rarely. It's so not, It's not even illegal to not have your driving licence on you anyway. No. or any. Yeah, yeah. so it, that really highlights that. Even though massive steps have already are obviously been taken, it's, there's, it's something that has to be continuously worked at. Yeah. It's not. So, I mean, the, in the UK, something that highlights just institutional racism is that Boris Johnson will come out with a statement saying that the UK isn't a racist country. And Rishi Sunak, uh, within the hour, will come out with a statement going, yes, I've experienced racism. So, yeah. like, what a, a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. No, no country is or isn't racist. Yes. The UK is not a racist country in the sense that we don't 
write it down in our laws. Mm. We are racist to people. But it's a, it's a meaningless statement. There's no such thing as a country that is or isn't racist. Mm. The country might not be, but the society undeniably has institutional racism, classism, mm. sexism built into it at every at every level. It's and, you know, a, a good demonstration of the fact is that Boris Johnson's sixth form f- mm. school photo is basically the cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a... It's, there's a book called The Poor Had No Lawyers, which is actually all about land ownership, but... Um, it does cover the fact that most laws are made by uh, the wealthy, and in this country, the wealthy are generally, funnily enough, white blokes. So, mm. you know, you look at what revolutions were going on in the 19th century, um, and I mean, William Wilberforce wasn't really all that necessarily that great. He is held up as the poster boy, but mm. he wasn't necessarily the lead of it. Um, a lot of workers' unions, a lot of labour. Um, unions in around Manchester and Lancashire and uh, kind of also push for the abolition of uh, slavery. Mainly, admittedly, there was a bit of self-interest there because they felt slaves undermined their own work. But at the same time, it was like, well, everyone should have a, get paid for doing the work that they do. So, and then that that is that was against people trying to get equal pay and just some degree of representation and that fight is still going on today is mm. we're st- still pushing for that equal that justice of fair representation within the house of commons with that within across everything mm. so i mean um the institutional racism thing is 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 what it's all about in america and that's why the, there are some good cops thing means absolutely nothing it's because their bosses are generally racist, and that's the big problem. So they on the James O'Brien show the other day, the last person he had called was um, a defence lawyer from America, and she lives in the UK now, and she was saying that the problem you've got is you can have a case against someone to prove that they're racist, and then you look at the jury and it's 13 white people that they know are going to get the person off. Because the problem is, isn't necessarily even at the police level, even though there is a problem at the police level, it's higher up in the sense that you cannot, you won't ever be able to, uh, the, the justice is completely imbalanced at every level in America and in this country to a certain extent as well. And that's the big problem. And that's why people are taking to the streets. And to anyone that says, oh, God, well, you know, here comes the second wave thanks to the protesters. A, have you seen the beaches? B, yeah, th- we should be looking at it like that. We shouldn't be looking at it like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're protesting at a time of a pandemic. We should be looking at it like, I can't believe that we, we haven't done enough to help them, which has forced them to go out and risk their lives in a pandemic. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, or, sure, you know, isn't, isn't it a shame that, society hasn't progressed in a way that meant this didn't happen exactly yeah but then to be fair the people have always gotten in the way um Mm. and i say the people to mean anyone in the way i don't know if you guys have ever read the silk roads which is a book about how the trade lines that have existed throughout history that sort of flow from the middle east up into europe and across to america Mm. have always dictated the flow of 
traffic of goods, no matter whether they are slaves, silk, tobacco, oil, and that no matter what people have stood in the way of people trying to command the silk roads, that they will always get wiped out, you know, and almost pushed to the side, civil liberties, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't matter because they are in the way of trade and so, so-called so progression from an economic point of view. I mean, the fact is the Silk Road actually goes to this, this one level step further and says, if you want to actually understand how endemic racism is as part of um, European culture, you have only to look at the way that the Jews were treated during the Second World War, that actually, while they were a good scapegoat for the Nazis to use at the time, because people viewed the Jewish religion with suspicion, after the invasion of the Soviet Union in 1942, when Hitler was invading down to the south and eventually culminating in the Battle of Stalingrad, he was trying to seize the oil fields of the Caucasus Mountains. He was trying to seize the oil fields. And actually, the Holocaust was stepped up from just a few gas vans, and I know that sounds really dismissive, from just a few gas vans into the industrial extermination centres that we now recognise in Auschwitz, purely because the Nazis wanted to colonise the Ukraine and the South, uh, South Caucasus, and those people were in the way. That was it. It wasn't because they were Jews, it was just that they were in the way. They were in the way of the Nazis commanding that area, the Nazis commanding the trade routes. And this has happened over so many, many years. You can even trace it even further forward to the um, invasion of Afghanistan shortly after um, the September 11 uh, tragedy in mm. New York. That actually the invasion of Afghanistan was much more about securing oil trade routes up through the Suez Canal. Even the Suez intervention in the 50s was more about securing the trade lines and fuck the indigenous people because they were getting in the way it was about securing the trade lines to make sure that we could get oil from the yep. middle east up through into the mediterranean and it has happened year after year after year after year after year after year for thousands of years these silk roads these trade routes have been the the, the cause and source of more annihilations of people than anywhere else on the planet and it's simply because they were in the way mm -hmm. and that is the attitude unfortunately that we find ourselves growing up amongst we, we talk about privilege but what we really should be talking about is entitlement and that's the problem that a lot of people have dealing with is this idea that that certain people don't deserve as much as certain other people and that that we're used to certain people are used to a certain level of comfort and if that means giving up even a little bit of comfort because someone else isn't feeling that then then a lot of people aren't willing to do it and that that is where this generally comes from at the moment racism yeah, comes you know from what? feeling uncomfortable yeah absolutely yeah. and do you know what mm. there is that you say guilt mm. this is the first time i've ever felt properly guilty about being who i am mm because it's so explosively in my face and I cannot avoid seeing it. And I think this is, this is the thing that makes me feel so guilty about mm. everything is that it's, that it's taken something like this for me to properly notice it and actually be kind of dumbfounded by my own sense of ignorance and almost blind, turning a blind eye to things that 
while I may have had an inkling about I, I'm not doing it. But the, but the problem is, I can't live my life feeling guilty about being born into the family that I was, that, that being born into the the race that I was. I mean, can I? I mean, I can't live my no, life. What like you can do sure. is you can make sure you're helping people to to get a, a slightly more equal piece of the pie. Yeah, and just being, you know, aware of that. It's it's a it is a big thing to acknowledge that that you there's a line from uh transparent where someone's they're talking about it's a different sort of experience but uh jeffrey tabble's character is talking about how he's suffered and Mm. you know has has had difficulties being a, a trans woman but someone he's talking to points out to him that he lived most of his life as a wealthy, mm. powerful man. And the fact that he is now a trans woman doesn't undo that previous privilege. And your privilege and your discomfort or your pain are different, different things. Mm. So, you know, it's just, it's just important to be aware of the privileges that are all around you, even if you don't feel particularly privileged like that, that guy on Newsnight in mm. the was it the brexit debate who was talking about how he he earned over eighty thousand quid a year but he didn't feel particularly wealthy yeah you may well not doesn't mean that you're correct no, no. but um yeah you know nobody needs to live their life feeling guilty all the time unless they're doing things that are actively harmful to others mm. but having some awareness and just trying to do things a bit differently is something that we can all do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think at this point we, we should all be aware and, and, and at least informing people or donating or just doing something or just getting better informed ourselves on, on what certain people go through. That's the least we like the fact that a lot of us are born into relative comfort at least means that we could probably give up some of our time or effort or money if we can afford it not everyone can that's understandable to actually making making people's lives better that have had a, a less good run at it so far and and just trying to make let them know that that we we're, we're here to help with whatever we can help with we're here to to it's to understand to try and understand what they're going through we relating to what we normally uh talk about like just think even in uh, you know the the discussions around some something as james bond or even doctor who think of the mm. the weird uproar of it's a woman i mean come on let's face it there you was... could probably even relate that to actually what to, to, to the idea of James Bond being a black male. Even. Yeah, I know. But you could yeah. even have it's like uh, the the weird the fans who have an issue of it being a uh, a female doctor or even a black doctor. Oh my god, mm. could you imagine? Yeah, I mean it's like no, come on, people, and or a black a black Bond. Why not? Do you not? know how much shit Donald Glover got over the prospect? over someone even tweeting that Donald Glover should play Spider-Man. Mm. Oh, come on. That's... Re- yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about... We've talked before about just how pathetic it is mm. to, to get worked up over this thing. 
it's even the people like things like um like Hermione being black in the Harry Potter mm. stage play. And even the people sort of pouring through the book going, well, there's no actual explicit references to her being white. It just talks about her having curly hair. It doesn't fucking no. matter. Even if the book says this person is white, why can't it be a different interpretation in another medium? Wolverine exactly. in the comics is five foot three. And Hugh Jackman is six foot three. So yeah. if we're going to get up in arms about things, maybe we should get up in arms about that as well then, because he's the wrong height. What does it well, actually were, matter? Were there, were there no five foot three white actors that could play Wolverine? Well, exactly. I mean, Tom Cruise was too short. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hey, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, look, there, there's, that, there's that whole kind of argument as well. The actress that played Vasquez mm. in Aliens, uh, you know, Vasquez Latino character, mm. and very much played by a white female actor white yeah. american i mean let's um, not even talk with, about short circuit too then with oh, fuck yeah. i mean it's like yeah um, I, and do you know what again short circuit and short circuit 2 are two of my favorite films and do you want to know something i'm not ashamed to admit this even in this public forum i didn't even know that the guy wasn't indian no, when we were, i was a young we were kids, kids. when we yeah. saw those movies and it just would not occur to you no exactly that that would that that would happen and you know i mean as a six-year-old my experience of the New York Asian population was fairly limited, so I couldn't really have told you how how accurate many of the stereotypes in that in that movie were. I wasn't big into the Brooklyn punk scene either. I can't tell you how accurate Johnny Five's interaction with those guys was. But you know, there were some very questionable decisions made there, and the actor that that was that character has has sort of talked about how uncomfortable he's become mm. with it over the years, and and. You know, it, it wasn't really seen as doing anything wrong at the time, was it? Hmm. Well, no, I mean, it wasn't. Move it wasn't on. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't. It, that's, that's the point. It, it, it just no one kind of saw anything wrong with it. But uh, again, one of my favorite films is Breakfast at Tiffany's. But of course, you know, Mickey Rooney, I think it was, played a you know very famous actor of the time, played the Chinese neighbor upstairs mm. in literally the most yeah. racist depiction of a Chinese well, immigrant that you could ever imagine. What what Bond film is it where Sean Connery oh, yes. gets flawlessly disguised as a Japanese man by having his eyes taped up slightly? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you only live twice. But, so all this stuff about, you know, who can play who or whatever. It was ridiculous enough when we were talking about it when it's mentioning Idris Elba as Bond mm. or Doctor Who being a woman or, you know, any of any of these things that people get worked up about before. It's now apocalyptically more irrelevant for people mm. to get worried about those sorts of things. And it does highlight just how important representation is in popular culture and seeing people like yourselves in movies and TV mm. shows and games. We all know what that's like. Because the protagonist of pretty much every game is a white bloke. Yep. Unless you is, really go out of your way to find some alternatives. Which and is, games that don't have a white bloke, specifically a white bloke hmm. in his mid-30s with short brown hair, are not, you know, they are considered, it's, it's like a, a feature of the game. Hmm. Does not star a mid-30s white bloke with short brown hair. Would yeah. you like to hear some... 2009 uh data from the new scientist 
2000. I've got something more recent than that, <laughs> which right. is that 81%, 71% of white teenagers play video games. 81% of black teenagers play video games. I was so, actually going with virtual game census representation of characters by race. Yeah. So, like, but, but the, the point, okay, so, so tie that in with, with representation of characters by race then. Yeah, well, 80%. And this is in 2009. I don't think it's changed. It's, mm. it's changed, but it's not changed to a 50-50 or anything. It's 80% of characters are uh, white and only 10.7% are black. Yeah. So, you know, and... that was, that, that's based in the US. Um, and then 2.7% were Hispanic. And in the US, 0.1% of characters in games were Native American. So... Mm. It's it's, and as you just said, eighty one percent of black teenagers play games. Mm. Yeah, but you know, look at the reaction to Black Panther. Mm. You know, we're all watching and going, yeah, that was a really good, really amazing movie. Yeah. But to so many people, there are, I think, um, Chris Hewitt on the Empire podcast. Mm talked about how his wife saw that and was just in tears because she never believed that she would see a black person being mm. the lead in a superhero movie. It was nuts and inconceivable mm. to her that that was is something that she would see. And, you know, we can't share that sort of perspective on things, but, you know, think how how excluded you would feel if you never saw anyone remotely like you in any form of popular culture that you like. There's so many video game characters that because video games are a relatively new form of entertainment comparative to, to movies and, and music. So many video game characters where the law is only just being set up that, that there is absolutely no reason why it needs to be a 30 year old white male at all. It is absolutely crazy. Mm. Like, oh, you look, look at stuff like like Mass Effect. You can yeah. have a really compelling story, a character-driven yes. story, and it doesn't actually matter what the character looks like or what gender they no. are or what colour their skin is or how old they are and things like that. You can still build a story around these things, even if you don't have a fixed picture of what your character looks like. Mm. Because, I mean, in the Mass Effect universe, it, it's transcended almost um interspecies racism and it is now just uh sorry internal species mm. racism it is now interspecies racism it is it is racism but you know it's it's calling the hanar squiddies but it's, it's more know. about it's more yeah. about the, in this instance it's more about the writing the fact that that could be yeah. anyone like, yeah. there's a great line in uh i can't remember what book it is but in one of the terry pratchett books it talks about how what with there being like you know elves and goblins and things racism is pretty much dealt with because speciesism is so much more fun and interesting mm. black and <laughs> yes. white live in perfect harmony and gang up on green yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean you know that that is taken to to an even worse kind of level uh in games like the dragon age uh games where elves uh, you know and even in the witcher universe as well elves uh, for instance are um, you know, often uh, rounded into ghettos or ostracized from society completely, mm. uh, purely, you know, and referred to as the wood people um, or, or, or something like that. You know, I mean, I mean in, in Dragon Age, in, in Dragon Age 2, um, in, in entire sections of the story revolve around the utterly abysmal treatment of the elvish people 
um, purely because people consider them worthless for yeah. no reason so beyond like, they look slightly different. It's good that game, you know, and games have got so much license to address these mm. things in a way that abstracts them from reality. You know, you can have some really interesting discussions about race and prejudice when you're dealing, you know, with with made up aliens or monsters mm. or whatever. But the, you know, The Witcher is doing that. You still can't change how Geralt looks. No, exactly. And if if you were given that option you can guarantee that people would, would be very upset about it. Even if the default Geralt was what he looks like now, you know, why can't there be some options to customise how he looks? Not difficult to do. Wouldn't actually affect anything. Especially when CD Projekt Red have a patchy history anyway in regards to racism. Yeah. Which is, is a concern. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in that instance, it might be something to do with the licensing from the books. But... I don't know. I mean, I don't know about that, but especially bearing, especially in that specific case, mm. they picked up that license very cheap. Yeah, because the guy yeah. that wrote those books doesn't really understand what a video game is. No, true. But, that's that's true. No, definitely. You know, the the feeling beholden to no, this is how it's written in the book. Yeah, that's how it's written in the book. Mm. But well, why? That does not mean you have to do the same thing. Well, the, let's look at what that's caused, though, and the uproar there was when, when both Triss and. Um, uh, God, Jennifer were were paid, played by a, a a black lady and an Asian lady because they don't look like they what they did in the games. Well, I'm not being funny, but Jennifer that that's that's how I imagine Jennifer in in everything, in personality, in the way she dresses. Does it? It doesn't mm. matter to me that she's Asian. Yeah, and also, you know, not not to upset any of the whiny fanboys out there, but just because you had a picture of how somebody looks like in your head, it does not mean that you are right, or that other people don't have a different picture of how that person Mm. could look. No, exactly. You know, and this is something I've said on this podcast before about the Lord of the Rings Mm. uh, films is that I don't enjoy them as much as other people because I read all the books before I, Mm. you know, when I was a child, and I loved them, and I had this image in my head, and I watched the films, and I was like. No, they're not for me. Mm. Um, they, they don't. They don't look like I remember them. But that doesn't mean that I. I have declared some kind of, you know, sort of, you know, you are all wrong because you mm. enjoy those films. Like, I, I mean, I'm. I'm just very much the case that just not for me. Like, I, they are so far away from my vision of what they were, that I just can't watch them because it kind of spoils my enjoyment of that film. I mean, look, there's the other thing as well. The whole Bond question. As a mm. Bond, as a big Bond fan myself. Mm. I oh hello. Ah. <laughs> it's um the guinea pigs are coming in from the gulag outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh the guinea pigs. The guinea pigs. Um you know Bond in the books is written as the young white British commander navy stiff upper lip etc etc. Mm. So the only reason you could ever have for saying you know casting him with a black actor is is bad or wrong Mm. is if you are someone who is like it has to be like the books it has to stick slavishly to formula it has to it has to it has to and i completely agree with you dan about Mm. the witcher in the tv series fabulous yeah because the characters were all true to the characterization of the characters yeah and the best thing in it as well she's fabulous because she she she, and and the simple fact of the matter is actually if you're being really honest Mm. with yourself she does look quite a lot like the games version of yennefer as well 
with the long billowing black hair and she strikes the same silhouette she's mm. i mean it's like what what the fuck does it matter that her skin tone might be different i mean yeah. honestly it that's all right you're right <laughs> it doesn't matter at all no i mean we could talk about things that actually probably did it but you talked about mass effect mm. you know skyrim you can actually be whatever you like yeah as you well. can if you want you can yeah. if you want um I would actually say even Grand Theft Auto, there's an interesting thing about like uh, computer games because there has been a lot of steps. Um, What's the name? Is it the character's thingy? Is it Nadine Ross in Uncharted 4? Yeah, played the dude that had the voice voiced by a white person. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is this issue as well that like um, (laughs) the underrepresentation of. Well, I'm going to say BAME, but, you know, black and Asian and uh, minority ethnic groups in uh, voice acting as well. But, like, there are games that do kind of like a pretty good job sometimes. Um, I'm going to say Grand Theft Auto 5. In the Grand Theft Auto series, you Mm -hmm. look at who does what voices and there is... You know, you read, can read lots of articles about people employing going, well, mm. sometimes there is lazy writing and sometimes with people are pushing to match uh, exp- so people can actually vocalize and really match with the experiences. Mm. So likely experiences. And obviously, sometimes you want if you're if you've got a, a black character, you kind of want to have inspire that hope that it's actually a black person playing it. Um, some really interesting discussions, some really interesting mm. articles out there that I recommend researching. It doesn't take long to find them, mm. and they are really interesting. But yeah, you know, Laura B- Bailey playing Kate Diaz in Gears 5, but at the same time, you know, you do have black actors playing black characters in, in these games, and Grand Theft Auto mm. 5 is a really good example the, of the only, actually matching up. The only issue with that would be the representation, though. Like, what... what you what you're presented with on the screen of it's not a game where the white guy is playing someone living on living in a, uh, a low income household. And then the black guy is the guy that's playing uh, someone living in the big mansion. Like I know, I know the game plays with stereotypes and I know, I know that it, it intentionally does that. Um, and I think Franklin's be- a better representation than CJ was in in um, San Andreas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. It plays fast and loose with some of the stereotypes sometimes. I don't know. I know that's why people like Grand Theft Auto games, which is that they're they're potentially controversial. But um, but yeah, you're right. At least at least it's a black person doing the voice of. Yeah, of, but at the same time with Grand Theft Auto, it is. Uh, you know, it is like a, it's not satirical, but it is a, mm. I wouldn't, it is deliberately playing up the stereotypes because it highlights the ridiculousness of so many things. So let's Which face is, it, Grand Theft Auto yeah, is fine. that issue. That you and me understand that, but I, I, you've got to question whether every 13-year-old that shouldn't be playing the game anyway is understanding that as well. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a case... I I get it. You get it. We all get it. Most people will, but there'll be some people that that will probably not necessarily get it. 
but at the same time yeah. this is this has always been the case with grand theft auto and if if you're a 13 year old and you're playing grand theft auto you shouldn't be playing it anyway you're way too young wow well, yeah <laughs> It's as long as everyone's in on the joke, it's it's kind of all right. Yeah, that they are. It's 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 almost hyper realism, isn't it? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's playing like this, this playing stereotypes against each other. And I love the Grand Theft Auto games, but but I, I, my concern is that that not everyone gets it. Um, what well, that's it's a, a parody. Yeah, well, not a parody, but yeah. it is it. It is a piss take. Yeah, I suppose it is a piss take. It's taking the mm. piss out. The it's like not. Yeah, anyway. it's cinematic. It, it's cinematic. It is. Mm. It takes cinema tropes, cine, particularly cinematic tropes, and and plays them in a video game. Like I, I don't think there's a game that feels quite like playing a film quite quite in the same way that Grand Theft Auto does. You just have to with that sort of thing. You got to. You get. You can't just. Um, you can't just say, "Oh, it's it's satirical," and mm. then be a prick and go no it's it's okay because it's ironic hmm. that doesn't yeah. that doesn't wash anymore you can't yeah. you can't that's what they tried with little britain yeah hmm. even stupid stuff like um like the the links adverts hmm. where you know spotty teen sprays himself with links and gets draped by women in bikinis they tried to make those go post ironic yeah but they were still just doing the same thing yeah you can't just because you've done it with a bit of a nod and a wink doesn't mean it's okay. Different music and different voiceover guy, and that's all the only difference, really. So yeah, mm. no, I totally agree. I, I think... mean, the fact, simple fact of the matter is that Little Britain just would not be made <laughs> in the same way these days. It like, just like... wasn't funny as well. That the those the, those the jokes that we're thinking about in particular just weren't funny anyway. No. The yeah. fa- the first series of it was funny. But and it's moments, there's, yeah. no, there's no way it would be made these days. I think they've said themselves, mm. you would not do it now. We wouldn't do it now. It was crazy. It wasn't that long ago, though. But um, That's like 20 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. First series of Little Britain? Yeah. I don't, it, was quite, it was quite a while ago. Well, we sold it. Yeah. I, I, I sold it at work. It's probably 15 years ago. But yeah. Anyway. No, because we were at... Uh, yeah, okay. No, actually, actually about 17, 18 years, I think. But whatever. This isn't really useful, is it? Helping. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we're getting closer and closer to 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nearly there, yeah. Um, I think you bring... I think the, the point is, though... Pitted on the probably... radio in the year 2000. Hmm? Oh, sorry? Pitted on the first, first series of Little Britain on the radio was in 2000. <laughs> oh, actually, the radio play was in the actually, year 2000. Yeah, actually. we're not talking about the radio play, are we? Let's be actually, Dan. Yeah. Um, going back to the, the more serious topic, there, there's probably a lot of black teenagers there that play video games and feel incredibly unrepresented mm. in a lot of games. There, there, there's just so many games where it makes no difference what skin colour is of the main protagonist. And it yeah. just, it just, it, it's just never going to happen because of default formulas. I mean, if you're bearing in mind we're talking about even going to, to uh, cartoons... Paul Dini going to Warner Brothers and saying, I want to do this card, this uh, superhero cartoon with a female lead. And Warner Brothers going, but girls don't buy action figures. Like, it, it's just kind of this mentality that a lot of the bigger companies, run by older people generally, have to get yeah. out of that. And it, it takes all of two seconds of thinking yeah. to go, hmm, do you think maybe 
that could be the reason they don't buy yeah. action figures. Exactly. It's, yeah. It does not take a lot to get to get past that. And you know, we're not saying that every game should have customizable genitals and a palette of skin tones to choose from. Mm. It doesn't work in all situations. No. Some games tell interesting stories specifically about race. Mm. GTA Five is an example. You know, it's not the best example, Mafia but that wouldn't example, work though. if you could if you could choose hmm. the race of each of the protagonists. It actually the story wouldn't really work yeah. in, the, in the same way. It doesn't fit everything, but it would work in a lot of situations where it's not implemented or just stories are written as a default about a white guy. Yeah. And in, in, it's in some way seen as going like, oh, you're going a bit off piece there if you don't start mm. with the template of a white guy going out to save the world. I'm struggling to think of a, a, a black lead in that kind of role. Like, I, I'm genuinely struggling to think of one. Yeah, I mean, I had the... In, in a kind of generic, he's just... He, he or she are just like the main protagonist in this game. And it's got nothing to do with race in any kind of way. Without customers. I mean, there, there must be some. But... Probably, yeah. But I can't, I can't think of any right now. Yeah. So, you know, especially if you think about, like, your AAA yeah. first-person shooter-type things. Yeah. You'd struggle to, to come up with a convincing example there. No, totally. Like, I mean... There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the uh, your squad mate in Call of Duty and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. In the Walking Dead game, I think that's a really good shout. Yeah, the uh, the Telltale Walking Dead Dead game. Uh, Lee. Lee. Yeah. yeah. He's Clementine. Yeah, and he's one of the best char- best video game characters in my opinion I've ever in any situation I've played. I think he will. Ah, now hang on. But I think he was still played by a. No, he wasn't. He was voiced by a black man. I might, he was. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking trying, I can't of, uh, remember his name, though. But. I, was, I wasn't aware of that, of that thing with um, uh, Uncharted. Yeah, Nadine does. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, is a, that is a problem. Yeah. That's, that's going back to you know, one of um, the classic racist microaggressions is the sort of, oh, you sound very articulate or you, you sound really educated kind yeah. of you don't sound how I think someone who looks like you should sound. Some, some of the reading around it is, it, it's, it's really interesting. Mm. It's, it's just like whether people are, it's weirdly just whether you live in a close by, if you live in the right place, mm. that you can get to a studio to do it because it actually stinks of how, it's it must it's obviously changing because some of the article there's one that's more recently from mm. 2020 actually earlier this year, February, um, but some of the ones from 2016, uh, you know you can see stuff has sort of moved on um, because people are writing games more as if they are movies, mm. taking into account that you need better characters and therefore you need better representation and actually you need better voice actors for it. Um, this has been it's fascinating reading but um yeah it's, it's like again goes to well do these people it does come down to with the inherent opportunities of sometimes people don't have time to because they're working or working more than one job they don't have time to practice mm. and to get this, uh 
the skill needed or to be able to go and get that first break. And generally, the ones who don't have the time are, are from more disadvantaged backgrounds in the US. That's generally uh, African-Americans, sadly. So, and it, I think it might even play, it, it might play here. However, you know, I, there is a lot to discuss. Um, but it's sometimes I think it's, there are sometimes sort of signs things are going in in the right way. And though I think uh, apparently only 2%, is it 6% or 2%? Mm. Uh, 2% of um, people who work in the UK games industry are black. Overall, it's 10% people working in games are black, Asian or minority ethnic, mm. which is uh, apparently slightly uh, slightly higher percentage than the national working population, higher than both the overall creative industries and specific sectors such as music, publishing and film TV. Mm. So, But apparently uh, black is uh, only 2%, which is really quite still uh, bad and also noticeably less represented in senior positions. Mm. So generally, uh, they're not up making the decisions, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's like everything, it's a mixed picture, but it looks yeah. like the trend, trend is going the right way. And I think games have that ability to really break the mold. So, uh, it's, it's actually quite a depressing read if you look up black leads in video games. Um, yeah. One of the ones that came up was Sere Yunda from uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which proves my point. There's absolutely no reason that the main character in that game couldn't, couldn't have been black. Like, absolutely no reason. To be no honest, reason. in the Star Wars mm. universe, there's literally no reason why the main character of Jedi Fallen Order had to be a human. No, yeah. but, but I mean, once again, it's representation of, of actual people. You could have had a black lead in this instance. Yeah, that's, that's a classic. You know, it's a new intellectual property. There's no existing canon or anything to, to worry about. And it's a white bloke. Yeah. yeah. Didn't need to be either of those things. No, definitely not. Um, uh, it's a bit of a missed opportunity, really. Yeah, but, but, the, but that's, that's, there's, there's a lot of that in video games because, as I say, it's relatively new. So, mm-hmm. But it's either, it's either a... A missed opportunity and nobody thought about this, or worse, people did think about this and there was a decision made that mm. that's going to be the thing that makes us the most money. I mean, it's part of the reason why I liked I liked the, the Mace Window, Windu character because mm. he was one of the most powerful Jedi in the known universe mm. and he was a man of colour played by Samuel L. Jackson who himself is a paradigm-shifting young... Um, mm. a paradigm-shifting actor anyway. Who's been well, responsible just for massive advances? Just wasn't a white guy with a beard like every single other Jedi that's a human. Yeah, exactly. And you know that that has been laid down because of the period of time that the original Star Wars film was made. It was a seventies hmm. film. There were very different attitudes. <laughs> yeah, even though Darth Vader was still the voice of a black man. And then when you revealed the took the helmet off, he was a crusty old white dude. Yeah, very true. Apparently, there was, you know, they if pulls to developers, but um, there was quite. I never played. In fact, I didn't even know this game existed, but you guys probably do. Mm. War grooves. Uh, there was quite a, a backlash because no, of no idea the, about it. 
yeah, but apparently there was a big backlash, and for the next game, they were started looking at better representation, mm. uh, diversity well, of just the voice actors, and never mind just the again the characters, uh, characters, right? That's the point, but, isn't it? We, we've we've got to make sure that people are learning from very stupid mistakes and understanding why they made those mistakes in the first place and not just doing things because they feel they need to and doing them but doing them because it's the right thing to do particularly with video games well particularly with everything but in the instance of video games you want companies to go out and learn from their mistakes and suddenly start thinking why why not why not have why not make a spider-man game uh, on ps4 about mars morales instead of peter parker because they did it with a film, and I'm not being funny. It's the best Spider-Man film, so yeah, yeah. it legit is the best Spider-Man film. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, um, and it made all the difference that it was about Miles Morales, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, there was remarkably little hashtag not my Spider-Man. Yeah, about that, there was some, but yeah. there wasn't there wasn't as much as you'd seen previously. Mm. Especially in the sort of sweaty underbelly of comic book and that kind of culture. Yeah, I think it had a healthy dose of Peter Parker in it, didn't? And in, in, in for a lot of people's eyes as well, though. So probably mm-hmm. that was enough to keep people going. But why not make why not make Spider Man Two when that comes out? And there is license to do this. To be fair, you could you could definitely do this. Like the way spoilers, the way Spider Man ends, you could definitely have Mars Morales in the second I think they, they are definitely doing another Spider-Verse they're, movie they're doing well um, yeah they're doing another Spider-Verse movie but the PS4 game you could definitely mm. to make it about Mars Morales the second one could be entirely about Mars Morales and it would be right, very the, good the really good thing about the Spider-Verse movie mm. is they can basically do whatever they want yeah mm. they can have him popping up literally anywhere well, and they've what, got an explanation behind the it. The talk is that it's going to have Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and um, Tom Holland in it as well. That's, that would be amazing. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Miles Morales is is a character, and and he's he's a representation of of a black teenager, which there aren't many of in these films. Mm. So I mean, the amount of times that white teenagers have been have looked at Peter Parker as as an example of someone that, that is similar to them and, and Miles Morales is is someone that they can actually potentially look up to as well he's such a great character in that film they do him so well as well it's um we should probably talk about uh we'll we'll put a list of places you can potentially donate to up on the Instagram we've been doing that anyway for, uh, recently yeah and actually these are these are all changing really fast because mm. a lot of places they they kind of yeah they go a bit viral and they get overfunded and they they would rather you donate to other places so we'll we'll put some links out but if you want to make a donation that would be an excellent thing to do but just have a quick read of their website first they might be recommending that you actually donate somebody somewhere else by the time we get around to it think just think about what you're talking about on social media as well and think if there's any way you could pass on 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 a message that that you think would be worthwhile to 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 influencing or talking to the people that you've got on your friends list or, or your groups and yeah and and just just keep keep it relevant um i think don't yeah just don't don't be afraid to admit you don't know things yeah. and don't be worried 
that you're going to do it wrong or get told off. Yeah, that's, anyone that's that, been the anyone, biggest lesson. If you I'm say saying. something with good intentions and somebody comes along and has a go at you for that, yeah, that's a dick move, no matter who they are. But if someone comes but along and somebody says, might yeah. come along and say something that's more along the lines of constructive criticism. Mm. If that happens, take it on board and act on it. Yeah, it's 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 for the best. Definitely, um, the, it's definitely having an effect on social media. But it's probably just worth making sure that you're you're at least. I don't think anyone should be not tweeting what they normally would or not uh, forwarding what they normally would on Instagram. But at the same time, maybe th- throw in yeah. some support as well. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, be yourself. But. Yeah try and be a slightly more aware version of yourself yeah totally agree. and that's something that everybody can do yeah yeah definitely i think that's the key just to to not be afraid to as you say say the wrong thing and then accept that it might you might be corrected but as long well, as it's, it's better to way. say something make an honest mistake yeah. get some useful information and change how you think than mm. not say anything and just carry on exactly as you were before yeah exactly Totally agree. And keep an eye on the news as well. Keep an open mind with, with, with everything that's happening. Don't necessarily believe some of the stories you hear. Um, this is mostly a, a peaceful protest. So just uh, keep, keep an eye on, on uh, news sources that you trust, I would say. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, cool. that's it. So that's the light-hearted opening. Shall we um, yeah. talk about what games we've been playing and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you got enough for an intro, Dan? Yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done here. Yeah. No, that was that was that was really good. That was really eye-opening. Yeah. It's um it's a very very interesting topic and one that I mean I certainly need to do more research into. I think. Um, so yeah, thank you all of you. And thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, yeah, I'll say goodbye to the awesome foursome. I'll say goodbye from myself first before we all sign off. Hello and goodbye. Dan, bye. Goodbye. Yeah. Duncan, goodbye. Night, night. <laughs> Russ, goodbye. Ta-ra. As Dan said, we're going to be posting up areas where you can donate. Uh, you can also hit us up on our uh, social feeds on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under the handle at TMTOH. Don't forget our sister pod, Theatrical Cut, and no doubt doing some podcasts at the moment that you might want to listen to. They are on Facebook. Uh, no, they're not doing any podcasts <laughs> at the moment, but feel free to check out the back catalogue because they're running in the same podcatcher streams that ours are. Yeah. Um, right. At Theatrical Cut Pod on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, stay safe, stay alert, <laughs> don't go outside, but go outside. Mm. Let's cue the music. <laughs>